0: fair, right? I mean, you know, anybody, uh, you know, somebody gets a bigger piece of pie than we do. We want, we, you know, we want the same. We've, we've got a family member that, that everything's got to be fair, and that means chores. And so it drives this person crazy that I will wash all of the dishes after a big meal when, when family's in town uh, instead of it being spread out. I would rather do that than be part of the cooking any day, Okay. And uh, and so I don't mind washing all that stuff. And and so, but we like fair. And you would think, uh, you know, that we wouldn't have to be taught anything about fairness, uh, because most of us were taught in kindergarten: share your toys, right? And anybody wasn't? Uh, don't don't you know? Raise your no, don't raise your hand if you weren't, uh, you know. Or or share your games, you know, or stuff. And my brother and me, we only had one go kart, both of us, and so we had to share, you know. And and uh, and so we were taught that, but. Today, as adults, we're going to look at the issue of why we need to show fairness when we live in a world that's very unfair. Why do we need to not just look out after ourselves and our own interests? Why should we be fair in a day and time when most people are just thinking of themselves? So we're going to look at why, and we're going to look at uh, you know some examples of that and what we need to do and how we respond to that. But the Bible, I think, is clear that life is unfair, that it's not fair in this world. It doesn't hide it. The Bible doesn't say we live in a perfect world. It says we live in a fallen world. A perfect world is going to be heaven, right? And, uh, and so this isn't. And in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, and when he wrote this, is in a kind of cynical time of his life, but it's in the Bible. Even though Solomon was messed up at the time he wrote it and you read Ecclesiastes, you're going, man, this dude is like lost it. What's going on? He's the one that was next to, in line to David. He's the wisest man in the world. Well, I mean, you know, somewhere along there he got off track because what did he have, a thousand wives and stuff? I mean, anybody married that many women is is crazy. And uh, and so uh, all you need is one good one like I've got, right? I mean, you know, and so, you know, that's all you need. So he gave some pictures of unfairness in Ecclesiastes. And so let's just write them down. One, he said, criminals go unpunished. Criminals go unpunished. And uh, he said this in Ecclesiastes 3.16. He said, moreover, I notice throughout the earth, justice is given away to crime. That was written 3,000 years ago, folks, and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. He said, even the courts are corrupt. I mean, you know, and so Solomon, you know, people seem like they get a lot of, away with a lot of stuff. I mean, locally, we have politicians that owe a lot of taxes, but they're making sure we pay our taxes, right? You know, and and, and so, you know, uh, he goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 8.11, he said, when crime's not punished quickly, people feel safe to do wrong. I mean, just read the news, and this is every day. Criminals are emboldened. Why? Because they get away with something small. They go shoplift to get away with it. Then they go rob something to get away with that. Then it's armed robbery. Then it's carjacking. Because if you don't stop it here, it's going to progress. And they get emboldened and they do more. Than, uh, than, and, and so they just don't worry. Now we've got idiots that drive up to a crowd and shoot into a crowd because there's one person that's in a crowd, whether there's children, old, lady, old old people, whatever. They'll shoot in that crowd because they don't care and they don't fear consequences because they weren't punished. And You, you combine that with cities now including the city of New Orleans, that have DAs that have said we're not punishing, we're not prosecuting certain kinds of crime. But we do prosecute police officers if they pursue somebody and they violate the law. And so crime is going wild. And that's what Solomon's saying. He said, look, it's not right. I mean, just look at the contractors running around right now. Uh, We've got people who've been ripped off by some of those contractors. And yet there seems to be no consequences for them and so they're just emboldened to go do it somewhere else and uh, and so Solomon saying that's not fair the victims lose out and the criminals aren't punished the second picture he gives us is that the oppressed are not helped he says in, in chapter 4 verse 1 of Ecclesiastes he says then I looked around at all the injustice that goes on in this world the oppressed were weeping and no one would help them no one would help them because their oppressors had power on their side. So here's the the rich and powerful, the politicians, the government oppressing people. Now if you study history, I I loved history. If I could have studied one thing just for fun, it would have been history. Don't know how you're gonna make a living with that unless you want to be a history professor somewhere. And I didn't at the time, but you'll, you'll notice throughout history people try and dominate other people. Whether it's a nation tries to dominate the world, I mean look what Hitler did, Look what Japan did. I mean, you know, we fought wars to prevent that from happening. Political parties, doesn't matter which one, they want to dominate the other. And uh, because we think or you think or whoever thinks that they've got the answers and the other people don't, and so we want to dominate the other. People try and dominate other people. We call those bullies. I remember in in sixth grade, we had a neighborhood bully. And and he would bully mostly my friend, my childhood friend. And uh, we were going along, and and, uh, and I've only been in one fight in my life, and that was when I beat that bully up one day. Now, the following week, we were best friends. I was over at his house having Kool-Aid. I mean, we're doing all, I mean, you know, now they bring a gun back. But, I mean, we call those bullies, and, and, but people try and dominate. There's always somebody, some people group somewhere trying to dominate. Right now, you've got non-Christians trying to dominate Christians around the world. There, about a million Christians every year are killed for no other reason than they're Christians happens in China, where they're hunting Christians down now, and, uh, and put them in re-education camps, or uh, we would call those concentration camps, if we weren't trying to be politically correct towards China, and they kill them, and, and the same thing happens in these Muslim nations, the quote, peaceful religion, uh, they're hunting down Christians and killing them, uh, Bosnia and places like that, call it ethnic cleansing, the Sudan, it was really Muslims killing Christians, and And so Solomon is saying nobody's helping these oppressed people, and that's not fair. So that's the second picture. The third picture, you're going to love this one. Our politicians are unethical, and I mean we live in Louisiana, right? We love, I used to tell people, you know, we love our crooked politicians. That's why we keep re-electing them until they run out on term limits. Other states put theirs in prison, you know, but I mean... You know, I I worked for a company that paid for a certificate of need to build a hospital. I won't tell you what governor that was that we paid. But, you know, I had employees that said, oh, he's not guilty. I said, why are our our lawyers on his defense team? I mean, you know, we've got influence peddling. City council members, children could go to Tulane at one point for free, you know, and and stuff like this. I mean, all kinds of politicians just aren't ethical. There's cover-ups and scandals. At least in Louisiana, we revel in it, Right. I didn't hear any amens out of that. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, it's sad, but it's funny. Uh, at least we finally are starting to get it right. Solomon said this, if you see a poor man being oppressed by the rich with miscarriage of justice anywhere throughout the land, don't be surprised. Solomon's saying it's so common that we shouldn't be surprised. And, and, and that happens. I mean, you've got, we had a, a former governor go to prison. We've had a former, uh, you know, uh, parish president go to prison who's, a friend of ours, you know, and now he's doing prison ministry and helping people, and and so God does change people. Other states have have uh, governors that have gone to prison. I remember in Georgia we had a governor when he got caught stealing money. He built him a farm, a ranch out of state money, and when they called him, he said, "Yeah, but I built it for you, so you the people could come see me." And people bought it. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and 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 so uh, you know, uh, Eugene Talmadge was his name. So I mean, you know, it's crazy. And then he says. And, and he goes, so don't be surprised, for every official is under orders from higher up, and the higher up officials look up to their superiors. So the matter is lost in red tape and bureaucracy. You know, to me, there was one word came to mind when I read red tape and bureaucracy, FEMA. <laughs> you know, I mean, FEMA just boggles my mind. We've got, we, I know people that made a phone call and got temporary housing. I know people that have had people come to their house and look at it and still don't have any help. And it's, it's just mind-boggling to me. And and so Solomon says, that's just not right. And then he says this. He said, here's an injustice I've seen in the world, an injustice caused by rulers. You can apply this one in business or wherever. And he says this. Stupid people are given positions of authority. How many of you all have had one of those for your supervisor at work? If you didn't raise your hand, maybe you're him. I don't know. But uh, we've all had that stupid person as a supervisor at work, or, or we've seen that. And, and so what he's saying, when people aren't godly people and they're given authority or they don't have a moral compass, they're going to abuse that power, whether they're elected or appointed, and, uh, and it's just not fair. And so that's, that's one of the pictures. Another picture, Solomon, aren't you so glad you came to church today? It's going to get positive, I promise. Good people go unrewarded while the evil people prosper. David in Psalm 73, I think, said, he said, when I looked at the, the, right, at the evil people prospering and all that, he said, he said, he said I said, what well, woe is to me. I wish I'd never been born. And, and he just wore his mind out. And Ecclesiastes, it says this, there's something being done on the earth that is pointless. Righteous people suffer for what the wicked do. And wicked people get what the righteous deserve. He said, this is pointless. He's asking, why do good things happen for bad people? we've seen that happen, right? I mean, sometimes evil people do prosper. And you wonder why. And I don't know if it bothers you. Maybe a horrible company, a company that's ripping people off, seems to be successful, while companies that are trying to do things right struggle. I don't know why that is. Dishonest people get a promotion. I remember, you know, a lot of times it's about how smooth somebody talks. You know, not what they know and and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you've lost a a deal to somebody who gave an unethical competition where they lowered the price below what it could possibly be. And then once they get into the contract, they raise the prices because now they can't do it, but they got the bid. Happens all the time. Solomon says, this isn't fair, and he's right. It's like going to a funeral of a young person. And you wonder, why did this person die so young? And Solomon even says that. I've seen everything is meaningless in this life, including... Death of young people and long life of wicked people. Sometimes it seems like these wicked folks are like weeds in a garden. They're like a, uh, those elephant ear plants. I had one of those in, in a garden at my house. The tree it was under got ripped up by Hurricane Katrina. I've, I, I sprayed Roundup on it. I tried to dig it up, and that thing kept coming back. That's kind of the, what he's saying about evil people here. They just they won't go away, and that's unfair. So the fifth thing he says here. Capable people are unsuccessful. I mean, just because you have the skills or the talent doesn't mean you're going to succeed. The good guys don't always win in this world. Look what he said. I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance and by being at the right place at the right time. Now, I do believe being in the right place at the right time helps, and you can help with that. But but here's what he's saying. He said, look, people train, athletes will train for the Olympics. I used to be uh, uh, run the mile. I know it doesn't look like it, but I did at one point. Now I can drive a mile, but... Uh, <laughs> Jim Ryan was one of my favorite runners, and I remember in one of the Olympics he tripped and fell. Here's this guy had been training and training and training, and he falls. Uh, you know, other people, uh, you know, this year in the last Olympics, they might test positive for COVID, and all of a sudden they couldn't compete. They've been training. Uh, or maybe they tear a muscle or something. We all know hardworking people who struggle while some lazy person inherits a bunch of money, and they've got it easy. I mean, it just doesn't seem fair. The biggest salaries don't always go to the smartest people. You know, most athletes earn way more than most of us will earn in a lifetime, you know. And, uh, and we all know somebody's passed over for a promotion, even though they were the most qualified. They were either passed over because of their gender, their race, or something. Or maybe they just weren't as smooth talking as the person who got the promotion. So the fact is, as Solomon saying, life in this world is not fair. So why does God allow it? Why does God allow it? And I think this is going to be important. Because here's the deal. I don't want to depress you. So I tried to throw a little humor in there, but, but life isn't fair. And, and things aren't fair because we live in a fallen world. But there's some reasons for that. And, and listen, when you're talking to lost people, they'll say, if there's a God, why does this stuff happen? We, we'll see deputies. She'll see deputies. And the stuff they see, they'll say, if this can happen, how can there be a God? Well, here's why. Number one. Unfairness happens because God gives the freedom to choose. Write that down. That's important. He gives the freedom to choose. In, in Deuteronomy 11.26, He said, Look, today I'm giving you the choice between blessing and a curse. He gives us the choice. We can choose. And, and even when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He said you can eat everything but this tree right here. He said, Robert, you didn't have anything in the Apple store but that one one new phone. I mean, that's what he did. And so what did Adam and Eve want? They wanted that. You see, I mean, they have an ability to choose. And, you know, and, and so we were made in God's image. The animals weren't. They don't get to choose. We can make moral choices, all that kind of stuff. Animals can't. So what does it mean to be made in God's image? Well, one thing to be in God's image is we have a spirit. God gave you a soul and a spirit. He does not no matter how much you love your puppy dog or your cat. They don't have a soul and a spirit. I do believe they're going to be in heaven waiting on us. But, you know, uh, you know, But we're given a soul. We're given a spirit. We can commune with God. We can communicate with God. We can have a relationship with the Lord. Animals can't. You know, there was a hunter one time. And I know we got some people hunting right now. Uh, this hunter was out in the woods, and a bear got after him. He was running from the bear, and he was getting close to being cornered. And he said, "Dear Lord, make this bear a Christian bear." And he turned around, and the bear was going, "Father, we thank you for this food we're about to per- receive. <laughs> Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies." And and so, listen, <laughs> you're made in the image of God. The bear wasn't. He's going to eat you, but he's not going to pray before he does it. Another way you were made in the image of God is God gives you and me the ability to make choices. The ability to choose. You can make moral choices. You can decide right or wrong. Animals can't. See, the freedom to choose is both our greatest blessing and it's our greatest curse. And, uh, and so God wants you to do, God wa- gave us choice because he wants us to do the right thing because we choose to, not because we're made to, you know. And, uh, and, and so you can, you, and, and he doesn't want you to be forced. He, we're not puppets or anything like that. And so he's not pulling strings. He wants us to make the right choices because, and here's the deal, you can't make good choices unless you have the freedom to make bad choices. If I can't make a bad choice, then I really can't make a good choice. If Adam had had, had no choice, I mean, if the angel had been there guarding that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Adam, it wasn't a thought; it wasn't anything he could do. Then he really didn't have freedom of choice. We've got freedom of choice because we 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 can choose wrong or we can choose good. But let, here's the thing: every choice has consequences. I can choose to do anything I want. I can't choose what consequences are going to happen to me. Adam certainly didn't want to get kicked out of the garden and have to labor and and it not be fun anymore. You know. So every choice has consequences, and. And evil consequences are a result of evil choices. And, and so when, when somebody goes out and gets drunk and they drive and they hit a car and they kill a mom and dad with a family inside, it's not God that did that. It's somebody that God gave the freedom to choose right or wrong that made a wrong choice and something evil happened because of it. It's all about our choices. So why does God allow that? Why does God allow that? Well, why didn't he just take it, take away? Evil in our world. if he did that, he would have to take away your ability to choose. He would take and he's not going to do that. He, gave, he made us in his image and he made us and he gave us that freedom to choose and he, he could get rid of evil like that. He's God, but he gets rid of our ability to choose. then we're robots, then we are those puppets. and he's not going to do that. And so the reason there's injustice, the reason there's unfairness in our world is it's kind of the downside of God giving you and me the ability to be, to, for free will to choose. And as long as we have that, we're going to face that. So that's the first reason. second thing I want to tell you about this is unfairness happens now, but God's going to settle accounts one day. God's going to settle accounts one day. Uh, Solomon said this in Ephesians 3. He said, I said to myself, in due season, circle that, due season, God will judge everything man does, both good and bad. See, today's not the end of the story. The final chapter hadn't been written yet. God hadn't balanced the books yet. I mean, he's going to. But there's a day of accounting. There's a day of judgment coming. And, and we're going to, every single one of us, we're going to answer to the Lord for our actions, our attitudes, and our words. You might not believe that's going to happen. There are people that still don't believe we've been to the moon, but we've got a used car lot on the moon from all the little moon buggies we've left up there. I mean, we, you know, God is, Jesus is coming back. And there's going to be a day of judgment. And, and he's going to, every one of us is going to stand in front of him. And he's going to say, God is going to say, what would you do with my son? Those of us who said, I received him as my Savior. And, and, and in answer to the question, of why should I let you into heaven? And when it's my relationship with Jesus, we get to go into heaven and spend eternity there. Not, per, not perfect, but we're forgiven. It's called grace. Those who never received Jesus as their Savior and Lord are going to spend an eternity in hell. You are eternal beings. And you will live forever, one place or the other. In heaven, not everybody goes to hell. I mean, heaven, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You've got to choose Christ if you're going to heaven. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how much money you don't have. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. Those who don't make that choice will spend an eternity in hell. He's going to say, What'd you do with my son? Let me tell you something. When, when you accept Jesus and you get to go to heaven, it's going to be wonderful. So people may not receive justice here, but they're going to receive justice. They're going to receive justice. But look at this. Here's, here's something I love. Isaiah 30, 18. He said, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises. In other words, God gets up to show you compassion. What's that say? That says he's wanting everybody to repent and turn to him. Peter said, "God's being patient so that everybody can come to a relationship with Him." He's saying, he's saying he he longs to show you grace," but the flip side of that is, is God is also a God of justice, and everybody's going to receive justice. If you don't believe? I mean, if you don't believe that God's a God of justice, if you don't believe that God is always trying to redeem people, you'll go crazy. You'll be depressed. You'll be anx- anxious. And the truth is, people get away with evil for now. But God's going to settle it up. I mean, if you don't think they get away with it, look at the last two years. Have you seen people getting prosecuted for burning down courthouses? Have you seen people getting prosecuted for taking over a chunk of of a city? Have you seen people getting prosecuted for that? No. They've gotten away with it. So it emboldens people. But let me tell you, God doesn't sleep. And God will settle up everything. But he'll also settle up the guy that ripped off a widow of her money fixing her house. He's going to settle up with everybody. We're going to face a judgment. So we need to understand that. Number three on why this this happens is unfairness occurs to show that we need a Savior. Listen, until Jesus comes back, we need a Savior. And, uh, and, And so you know, unfairness shows what we're really like. I mean, there's this belief today in our culture that everybody is basically good and unselfish. If you've ever had children, you know that's not true, right? I mean, you know, I mean, if you've ever been around a kid and you don't feed them on time, that cute little face wrinkles up and this noise comes out of them uh, because they want you to feed them. And if you're ignoring them, they want to be the center of attention too, right? Uh, you know, or if you go up and take one of their toys. I mean, my, 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 I have a stepson and he's five years older than my daughter and he goes and pulls away one of her toys one time. And so she, she said, okay. And she caught him on the couch asleep. And she comes back by him, and she, both hands, right down on his bare belly. I mean, she got revenge. That's what kids do. Don't take their toys away. I mean, you know. And uh, and so, but, you know, we think the people are basically good. You know, and, and if that's the case, we don't need God. We didn't need Jesus to come. We don't, we're not sinners. We just kind of have issues, you know. I mean, You know, it's the environment that makes us do all these bad things. And so if we change the environment, uh, we'll all be good, right? Let me tell you something. Without the Lord, without laws and justice, people act crazy. Remember Katrina? That wasn't anything unusual. That's lost people acting like lost people when restraint was gone, when there is no law and no, no enforcement. And so... Uh, That's what happens. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes. He says, I realize that God is letting the world go its sinful way so that he can test mankind. Unfortunately, a lot of the world is failing that test. He says, so that men themselves will see they're no better than the beast. Without Christ, we're no better than anybody. We we begin to treat people like animals because we feel like an animal. And, uh, I mean, just read the news. You know we got a we got a former sheriff up in Saint Tammany. that's on trial right now for raping people. Mind-boggling. Uh, we've got abuse. We've got people in our church that investigate abuse, and, and 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 I mean it's horrible the things that go on. I mean, you think people are good? <laughs> Drive I-10 east. Twenty-six people have been shot on I-10 east this year. It's crazy. See, evolution's taught us that man's just another animal with a bigger brain. That's not the case. God says that uh, we're not animals, but we sure can't act like them sometimes. (laughs) I mean, you know, for the people that think that we're all good, how do you explain Auschwitz? How do you explain what we did in Auschwitz and all the other concentration camps? How do you explain what's happening in China and Iran right now where they're hunting people down and, and killing people for being a Christian? Or if you have more than one child in China. How do you explain New Orleans East? I mean, how do you explain what happens in our neighborhoods every single day? That's not good people just making some bad choices. There's evil in our world. and Before God settles the score, we all need a Savior. Every one of us. The ones that are doing the killing, the ones that are just doing the little lie and saying, Hey, I'm on, I'm on the bridge when they're not. You know, we've got to, we all need a Savior. We're all going to stand before God. And let me tell you something, when you're standing in front of God, you're not going to want justice, you're going to want grace. Because, see, justice says I've got to pay for my sins. Grace says Jesus paid them for me. That's what I want. And so that's the that's reason we want, that's why Jesus came. Number four, why unfairness happens. Unfairness ha- occurs so it can build Character. Now, you know, sometimes you ever get, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I'm going, God, I got enough character. Can we just move on from here? You know, I mean, but but unfairness happens. Romans 5, 3. I got to give you a history of this verse. I had a girlfriend in high school. She dumped me. I perfected getting dumped in high school. And she gave me a little pocket Bible with this verse underlined. I have it somewhere. It's in a box. It says, we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know... They help us develop endurance. And verse 4 says in perseverance and character and character hope. See, trials and tribulations develop character. Character isn't built in the good times. Character is built when you're going through the difficult times. It's built through problems and trials. And, And so I want you to remember, God's plan, God's purpose, His goal is to make you and me more like Jesus. He wants us every day to be more like Jesus. And and to do that, you're going to go through some of the things Jesus went through. Did you ever see Jesus get treated fairly by people? No. One day they're hailing him as a king. The next day they're shouting crucify him. You know, and and so, uh, you know, if we're going to go through some of the same things Jesus went through, if we're going to become more and more like him. Now, let me just say this. Suffering doesn't automatically build your character. I know people who've been through terrible times who are just terrible people. Still, character is built when you choose what God wants you to choose. When you say, I'm going to trust God no matter what's going on, and I'm going to let him bring me through it, that's when your character is built. And, uh, and so maybe you're going through a time right now, and you're being unfairly treated. You're, you're being, you know, you don't like the hand you've been dealt. How do you respond? We're going to look at that, I'll wrap it up after that. So how do we respond to unfairness? Number one. You accept it gracefully. You accept it gracefully. Now here's, I'm talking about with God's grace. I'm talking about with God's grace. Don't be surprised when treat you, people treat you unfairly. They treated Jesus unfair, and he said in this world you're going to have d- trouble and difficulty. We live in a fallen world where people have a uh, choice. Peter said this, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening. Peter saying, "Look, you're going to go through tr- trying times, if for no other reason because you're a Christian and you're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. See, the problem with people in church, we come in here and we're th- we're good, we're good to go, we're strong, we're loving Jesus, praying, praising Him. We go out there, we want to blend in with everybody else. But when you're different, you're going to be persecuted, and that's what he's saying. Don't be surprised by the trials you're going through." When you start going out there and talking about how Jesus is your Lord, Jesus is your Savior, the reason I'm not going out drinking and getting drunk is because I love Jesus. The reason I'm not cheating on my wife is I love Jesus. The reason I'm not gambling is I love Jesus. The reason I'm not doing this is because I love the Lord. They're going to look at you funny. You're going to go through persecution. Then he said in verse 13, Be happy that you're sharing in Christ's suffering. See, you can't prevent people from hurting you, but you can, you can choose what your response is going to be. I love my dad. He's been gone t- way too long. Matter of fact, he might have been the reason my mama didn't get to go to heaven right off because she always said she's going to kiss him when she gets there and then beat him for leaving her down here so long. And so right before she died, she had she yelled, open the door. And then she yelled, open the door a third time, and then she called my daddy's name, which we're glad to know he was in heaven, and said, Bobby, open the door. I think he was, maybe had his foot on the door because he knew what was coming. <laughs> but my dad had an uncle. Had, had, he's a rich uncle. He was a millionaire, worked for W. Clement Stone back in the 50s. And he's a millionaire in the 50s. And, and he'd, I mean, the only thing he'd buy new, he had money, he had land. Uh, none of it came my way, uh, you know, but... But uh he had a bunch of sisters, some of them never married, and some of them were like my grandmother, who were widows. And and uh he made sure all those sisters were well taken care of. They never needed anything. He was he was a good uncle. He had his children and, and they owned I mean they owned so much land. It's like owning Jefferson Parish. They owned almost the whole county of Chattooga County. And uh and, and so he owned a couple of mountains and, and stuff. And so my grandmother had a sister who was the closest sister to her. It's my Aunt Aline. And Aunt Aline had put my dad and his sister in her will. She had no children. And, uh, and so later on, when she was older and sick, two of my uncle's children, or one of my uncle's sons, rather, and his wife, manipulated my aunt into taking my dad and his sister out of, their will, out of her will and putting them in it. They're already millionaires. My Uncle Mid had died. I wanted to go skin them alive. My dad never held it against me. See, he chose to respond instead of react. We can't, we can't control what somebody's going to do to us, but we can control uh, how we react. And, and he, he accepted it with grace. Now, here's the thing. God does hold people to account. And best I know, unfortunately, that guy never received Jesus. So we accept gracefully, and we don't become bitter, and we don't complain. We see it as an opportunity to develop our character. The second reason, after we accept it gracefully, you should respond to offenders lovingly. Do the opposite of what they expect. I mean, when people hurt you, they expect you to retaliate. Do the opposite. Look, I, I love the story of Joseph. I mean, there's like five, six chapters about Joseph in the Bible. So many sermons you can preach about Joseph. But Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. You think you got trouble with your siblings. and uh, And so then... You know, Joseph is number two to Pharaoh and his brothers come to him begging for food and Joseph eventually reveals himself to his brothers and, and I, I promise you, their, their thought, it wasn't, oh, thank you, Jesus, it's our brother Joseph. It was, uh-oh, we're going to die. They, they, he's going to kill us. And, and so they really threw themselves on the floor weeping and gnashing. Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, Joseph did the opposite of what they expected and, and, and took him in. We've got a friend who's a contractor, and he gave $3,000 to a guy to go buy an air conditioning unit a few years ago. And the guy stole that money and disappeared. Wouldn't answer his phone, nothing like that. And, and, uh, and so one day they bump into each other in Home Depot. How many of you know God's got a sense of humor? And, and this guy's going, oh, oh look, man, I'm, I'm going to give you your money. I'm going I'm, I'm to pay you look, He says, stop lying to me. He said, God wants to bless you, but he's never going to bless you while you're lying and stealing. Your debt is forgiven. That guy expected this man to kill him. He said, your debt's forgiven. We need to respond the opposite of what they expect. Jesus said it like this. You've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, this is Jesus, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You see, we respond lovingly, one, because God tells us to, and it keeps that person from controlling us. When I respond the way they expect, they're in control. When I respond the way they don't expect, lovingly, I'm in control. One of the great scientists that America has produced is a guy named Booker T. Washington. And as an African-American man who lived years ago, obviously went through many injustices, but he said this, I will never allow another man to control my life by allowing him to make me hate him. That's powerful. See, hate's a choice, and we don't have to choose that. We can choose to show love. I can't control what other people do, but I can control my response. Does that mean we don't ever allow justice to happen? No. Look at Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King changed our nation, but he did it peacefully. He didn't burn buildings down. He He didn't throw Molotov cocktails at people. He didn't go ruin people's lives. He said this, we're to lovingly seek justice. And he did. Let me tell you, as Christians, we need to fight for justice for others. And, you know, we need to defend the innocent uh, and all that. We, we've got to do that, but we do it with love. Jeremiah said this, be fair-minded and just. Do what is Right. See, when they're doing wrong, we've still got to do what's right. He said, help those who've been robbed. Rescue, those from their, rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Don't mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. See, we're concerned about justice and laws and about the innocent abortion. We've got to be that way because that's what God's concerned about. Solomon goes on to say in verse 29, chapter 29, verse 7, he said, The good man knows a poor man's rights. The godless don't care. Folks, if we say we love God, we've got to care. If we say we love God, we've got to care about the people out there. We've got to care about the women when they're getting out of jail, like what we saw. And We've got to care about people. That's why we feed this school down the street. That's why we do a lot of the things we do, because we've got to care. Even when everyone else is being unfair, we as Christians... We've got to maintain our integrity and do the right thing because we care. Number three, way we can respond. We should wait for God's help expectantly. God's going to help us. Peter said this, a person might have to suffer even when it's unfair. How many of you would agree suffering is not fair? Now, sometimes we make our own bad decisions. And uh, we'll go out and gamble all our money away, and then we'll complain that we don't have money to pay our bills. Well, you brought that on yourself. But sometimes it's just tough. Sometimes it's tough. A hurricane comes. You know, stuff happens. And, and, And it says, but if you think of God and can stand the pain, God is pleased. See, God hears your cries. He hears your cries when you're not treated fairly. He notices you. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life. He hears you in one day. He's going to set things right. It's in the old days when cameras used to use film. Now it's all digital, right? The camera I carry in my pocket is a better camera than one I paid a bunch of money for. That's big, you know, the big lens. But used to, we'd take film. We'd take a negative. You'd have a negative, and you'd go put it in some chemical and shine a light through it, and all of a sudden you'd see this picture starting to come up. That's kind of the way life is. Sometimes we're dealt negative uh, a negative deck of ha- uh, cards or whatever, or negative circumstances. But when you shine the light of God's love into that, this beautiful, full-color picture comes up. And, and it shows the love of God in our life. And, and let me tell you, that's called getting God's perspective. And if, if we don't get God's perspective, we will become cynical, bitter, and disillusioned. So we've got to get God's perspective. So what do we do instead of retaliating? I love what Peter says right here, 1 Peter four nineteen. He said, he said this, so those who suffer as God wants should trust their souls to the faithful creator as they continue to do what's right. Two things, we've got to trust our soul. We've got to trust the Lord. We've got to trust the one who has our best interests at heart, who has the power to change anything. We've got to trust Him. And then it says, we've got to continue to do what's right. It's easy to throw our hands up when we think life's unfair, when we think people are getting away with it. Why try? David did that in Psalm 73. He said, he said but as for me, why in the world do I try and keep the law when the wicked are prospering? But he goes on to say, then I looked into the sanctuary of God, and I saw their end, and I saw where you're taking me. See, when we keep our eyes on God, God's going to take care of us. Let me tell you, I don't understand why everything happened. Usually when something bad's going on, we're asking the Lord why, and that's not the question. See, there's an answer in heaven. He doesn't know us an answer here. The main thing He wants to see from me is, do you trust me? I'm going to trust the one who has it under control. I'm going to trust the one who has my best interests at heart. I'm going to trust the one who died and paid the price for my sin. That's who I'm going to trust. And when I trust Him and I do the right thing, God is going to reward me. Look what Paul said in second corinthians four seventeen. he said our present troubles are small and won't last very long you know what paul's present troubles were he's been stoned two or three times and left for dead he's been shipwrecked he's been bitten by poisonous snakes he's been beaten with rods and whips and he was going to, uh, when he wrote this uh, shortly after he's going to prison to be executed those are his small troubles He said, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. See, God is faithful. You're going to be rewarded for your faithfulness here. It may be in heaven, but you're going to be rewarded. He's going to reward your response to unfairness. Now listen, I'm I'm landing this airplane right now. You might be going through a tough time right now. and, And it might seem that Life just isn't fair. You don't feel like you've deserved. Maybe a business partner's robbed you blind, or maybe a husband or a wife, or a spouse has been unfaithful, maybe they even left. Maybe you got an ungrateful child that doesn't want anything to do with you all of a sudden, or they're in rebel or they're a teenager in rebellion. Or maybe a parent's mistreated you. It's not fair. A friend deserted you. A boss has taken advantage of you. We've all got some kind of story of injustice i believe if we accept it gracefully like we just talked about we respond lovingly and wait for god expectantly god will do great things you know what god wants to see in that person that's unfairly treating us he wants to see repentance he wants to see them say you know what i'm wrong and i'm gonna give my life to the lord that's why he's waiting why don't you just bow your heads You might be thinking, I can't do that. Let me tell you, you can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit.